visit patreon.com slash sword and laser. Sword and Laser hopes you will enjoy this program. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Don't you dare clap. I saw you about to clap. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. And we promise, we promise, we promise we will get back to having a drink with the show someday. Well, what's your what's your excuse? My excuse was I saw that you were recover- recovering from food poisoning and I didn't want to make you feel bad <laughs> because oh. I hadn't brought one in. If I had already like, brought one in, I would have drank it. But I was like, I'm not going to make a special trip. Just. That's very just nice. I got, man, laid out, laid out this week with food poisoning. It was gnarly, but I'm feeling much better. We We've decided it was either the goat cheese or the mushrooms, right? It was, uh, so I went out with the Sword and Laser San Francisco crew. <laughs> I wasn't going to out that part. <laughs> and it wasn't, um, it wasn't a drinking thing for sure. Cause I had like mm-hmm. two glasses of wine. I was fine. Um, and we shared, we all shared this, like, or most of us shared this, like goat cheese pe- pecan roll Have up. Have you checked in with the rest of them? You know, I haven't. I'm kind of, this is kind of that check-in right now. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. if any of you got sick, please let me know. I don't have like your individual emails. I only, like we only talk over Goodreads. So I'd have mm. to send each of you a message over Goodreads. Um, but yeah, Robert, Joe, if any of you are sick, James didn't show up. So maybe he was already sick. Who mm. knows? Yeah, it mm. was a, it was a scene. So Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But thank you. if I can try to cheer you up, March Madness is underway. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it's already this time of year. I'm so excited. Uh, Thanks again to Rob for setting everything up. He did such a fantastic job, you know, wrangling everyone and making sure all the votes were in place. And uh, Tom's put all the brackets together. And I think there's some some really interesting picks. Yeah, we can run through them real quick. Uh, If you just go to swordandlaser.com slash March dash madness or just click on March Madness when you're at swordandlaser.com, you'll find the brackets. There's also links to them from Rob's posts in the Goodreads, and the Goodreads is where the polls are taking place. The way it works, uh, we have eight matchups, 16 books. You vote in each of the matchups for the book you would like to see advance to the next round. The winners of the polls will then face off against each other in four votes, then two votes, and then we end up with our book pick for April. Uh, Theft of Swords by Michael Sullivan. Still, the, still kicking. Third, third tournament. Is that right? Third year. <laughs> I, I think that sounds uh, um, sounds right. Yes, that's probably right. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, up against "Dangerous to Know" by KT Davies. Uh, we have "The Poppy War" by RF Quang by against "Black Leopard Red Wolf" by Marlon James, which actually gets a reference in today's Quick Burns. Uh, "Trail of Lightning" by Rebecca Roanhorse is taking on NPCs by Drew Hayes and Red Sister by Mark Lawrence against the Rune of Kings by Jen Lyons. Now that's the fantasy bracket. Then there's the laser side with (sighs) first 15 lives of Harry August by Claire North up against the quantum thief by Hanu Rajaniemi. I think that's a return to the tournament as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nexus by Ramez Nam is up against year one by Nora Roberts, a controversial pick it's often classified as fantasy because mm. there's a little bit of a fantastical mm-hmm. element, a little supernatural element here. 
then we have The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury, another perennial, uh, up against Infomocracy by Malka Ann Older, and finally After Atlas by Emma Newman, another potentially controversial one because it is the second book in the universe. <gasps> oh. Although Emma Newman says it's standalone, you can read it on its own. That one is up against The Stainless Steel Rat by Harry Harrison. Uh, probably Harry Harry Harrison and the Ray, Ray Bradbury are the oldest of the books in the tournament this year. This is These pair-ups are really difficult for me because there's a lot of books on here that I want to read and a lot of authors on here that I want to read. And some of those are, as usual, paired up together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and pro tip, if you go to the Goodreads polls and you're like, I don't know what either of these books are. If you click on like view more details, it'll bring you to a page that'll show you the book covers and you can click on those and read more about them. Um, So don't feel, yeah, comments and details is what you want to click on from the poll page. And that'll bring you to a page where you can get more info on the books as well. So don't feel like you have to just click blindly or like go in and Google each book. You can do it right from Goodreads and get the info you're looking for. You should vote uh, because... There's a few of these, uh, and 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 maybe not even surprisingly, a few of these that are that are clear right now as to who the winner is, but none of them are more than twenty or thirty apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, if we got a bunch more people in, that could swing the other way. Several of these are within a vote or two of each other. You wow. could be the deciding vote if you go in and vote. So, it's uh, it's worth taking a look at. I'm I'm trying to also not vote by books that I n- know of or have on my bookshelf already and actually like reading about them, you know, mm, not judging mm-hmm. the book by its cover, but actually reading right. about them first, um, which is, you know, it's hard to do, especially when we're at the very first brackets and there is a lot of books to choose from. I am not voting in order to preserve tiebreaker. <laughs> okay. I, should I do that too? Well, if you already voted, then fine. I didn't. I haven't voted. Uh, if you don't, then we can, then we would have to break our own ties if we disagreed, I guess, but we can combine on the tiebreaker. All right. You know, I think that's better. I think it's better okay. this way to not vote. See, because I'm we did have the a tie. And I'm going to look at the results in advance. I didn't want to. <laughs> oh yeah. I've been, I've been totally Oh, they're hidden. The I yeah. can't see them. Oh, cause I created the poll. That's why. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to I, tell I, me. Talk to me later. Okay. Let's jump into the quick burns. Yes, indeed. Uh, Dara points out that the Nebula Award finalists were announced today. Well, the day she posted this anyway. Uh, And congratulations to the calculating stars, Mary Robinette Cole, the Poppy War, RF Quang, which is in the tournament, uh, Blackfish City by Sam J. Miller, Spinning Silver by Naomi Novik, uh, Witchmark by C.L. Polk, and Trail of Lightning, another tournament entry from Rebecca Roanhorse. Oh, my goodness. Gracious. So many good books. How Uh, exciting. Yeah, these are great. And they're happening near me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, like right, right, right up here in the old Los Angeles area. So I'm going to try to make my way over there uh, and, and see this, but, uh, I mean, I guess I kind of want the calculating stars to win because I enjoyed it so much and we just read it, but I don't, you know, of the ones that I know, and I don't know every single one here very well, I, I don't see anything that I wouldn't be pleased with or, Mm -hmm. or be like, Oh yeah, no, that's deserving. It's a good crew. Totally. And Dara says there's also a new teaser for season four of the man in the high castle. It also announces that this will be its final season. So first of all, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about this being? I feel very good about that. Yeah. Uh, I would rather, because they've moved past the end of the book, 
I would rather they have an end in mind and deliver me a really good final story ending than just kind of keep plowing along, going like, well, I guess we're still in the alternate universe, you know, and, and feel mm-hmm. like they're making it up as they go along. Yeah. And they also have a clip from the show here that they've written out in uh, in text. Um, a man sits alone in a cabin. A cap is perched on his gray hair. Glasses are askew. Suspenders are taut. A computer running WordStar 4.0, for porno, WordStar 4.0 sits abandoned. On a laptop, a live journal entry is incomplete. This is my true purpose, the man mutters. A browser page is reflected in his glasses. 2019 Hugo nominations, it reads. A, la- a field labeled best fan cast dance empty, pregnant with potential. Sword and laser, he says aloud as he types. And then there's instructions. Uh, yes, instructions on how to vote can be found at the link uh, in the Goodreads thread. Thank you, Dara, for the continuing campaign <laughs> and reminding us that voting for the Hugos ends Friday, March 15th at midnight. Oh, my gosh. That's only like two weeks from now. OK, I know. we really got to start tweeting about this and stuff. OK, you tweet. I'll retweet. Okay, sounds good. I'm so lazy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'll do that too. Uh, Joanna points out that the two latest uh, casting, uh, there are two castings for Denis Villeneuve's Dune out. Josh Brolin is Gurney Halleck. And Jason Momoa is Duncan Idaho. Uh, Josh Brolin is Gurney Halleck. That's great. I'm pleased. Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho has me excited. Uh, Duncan Idaho is very important in this series if you've read all six of the original Frank Herberts. Uh, And Jason Momoa, you know, he's he's, uh, Khal Drogo. He's Aquaman. Uh, I loved him in Stargate Atlantis. He's amazing. And I'm so excited to see him be Duncan Idaho. I just can't. I, I, well done. Well done, Denis Villeneuve. That's uh, I you know I don't remember all the characters from my my one reading of Dune, um, so I'm just kind of feeding off of your excitement. Yeah, Duncan Idaho is 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 the uh, is the the train the guy who trains Paul Atreides. Okay, okay. Gurney is is the weapons master, but Duncan is is sort of his like you know his mentor, but mm-hmm. then. Uh, in the, the, I don't want to be spoilery, but in the future, Duncan becomes something else. Oh, all right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's time for me to do a reread. I don't know. I can't keep rereading these books every 20 years. Anyway, Dara also says, Dara, you're so good to us. All six episodes of Good Omens will premiere on Amazon Prime on May 31st. Also announced, Bandersnatch Cooter Scoot will be playing Satan. I assume that means Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, I assume that's. A, I'm glad you figured that out. I was like, who? No, that's like you know, that's like the running <laughs> yeah, joke. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. No, you're nobody right. Can, now I, nobody says Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, yeah. The Cumberbatchers uh, yeah. will be very happy. And no, that's great. Uh, I, I'm I'm super looking forward to this one as well. Me too. Me too. Clyde pointed out that Asimov's Magazine has made all of their Reader's Award finalists available for free reading online. Uh, there's some good readings in there. Clyde particularly enjoyed Christine Catherine Rush's and Linda Nagata's story. Uh, those are all over at Asimov's.com. Dara says Adam Christopher is writing the Stranger Things prequel about oh. Hopper. Stranger Things Darkness on the Edge of Town will be out June 4th. We should have oh, him so cool. back on the show yes, to talk Adam, about that. Come back and talk about that. It's so awesome that he got a chance to write in the Stranger Things universe. I cannot wait to read that either. 
I saw about uh, that on Twitter and I got really excited. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Uh, Genesee said article on a recently released fantasy book called or being referred to as the African Game of Thrones. Roxanne Gray and Marlon James explore this African myth-inspired book, Black Leopard, Red Wolf, uh, which is in our tournament. Uh, the thing about a lot of West fantasies is that it's still following European archetypes, James says. Uh, evil is clearly evil. Evil is Sauron. That reflects a Calvinist Christian worldview. Mm. And, and what's great is he's not saying that's wrong. He's like, that's one worldview, but we've got other cultures had different worldviews. And so maybe, you know, let's let's see what fantasy would be like from that perspective. And I think that's really interesting. I'm a big fan of Roxanne Gay's Twitter, so I'm excited to. I, I haven't actually read any of her books before. Um, I, I was typically she writes um, nonfiction, so I'm, I'm excited to see how this comes together. Well, um, it was Marlon James wrote the book, and there's an LA Times article where uh, he discussed it with Roxanne Gay. Oh, okay. So the interview was, is Roxanne Gay talking it. to Marlon James. Marlon James sense. wrote the book. Yeah. yeah. All right. I was confused because I thought that he was the author of the book because I have seen it in the brackets and read about it previously. And I'm like, I don't remember her being involved with that book, <laughs> but that's cool. All right. Yeah. This, that makes a lot more sense. And then Louis says Daniel H. Wilson, the author of Robopocalypse, pens the sequel to Michael Crichton's The Andromeda Strain. Hmm. The Andromeda Evolution will be released on November 12th. Also saw this on Twitter. Uh, this is pretty cool. This is, uh, I, I was like, wow, like he must be stoked. That is a very cool series to get to write in. And that's um, kind of a big deal. Do not need The Andromeda Strain to evolve, though. This is frightening. <laughs> which means it's probably going to be an amazing book, but yeah. Uh, finally, Colin pointed out some Philip Pullman news. Uh, not just that there's a trailer out for the Dark Materials series, which is coming to, I think, Prime Video and BBC, but the details of the next novel in the Dark Materials universe uh, in the Dust series are out. Uh, also on BBC, because of course BBC is going to be carrying the TV show. Uh, and this will take place 20 years after the first Book of Dust. Uh, so the second in the, in the Book of Dust series comes out in October. Uh, if you remember, she was a baby in the first Book of Dust, Lyra. Uh, so it's kind of overlapping with hmm. the first trilogy. And this one will take place 20 years after the events of the first book of Dutch Dust Trilogy and seven years after the end of His Dark Materials. I, I don't think I ever read that second trilogy. I Well, there's only the one book out in the new trilogy so oh, far. Oh, is this the, that's yeah. what it is? So it's part of that trilogy? That. Okay, yeah. okay. Very cool. Um, I would still continue reading in that series because that the the first trilogy was pretty amazing and I never kept up with it. So that would be cool. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. We got a post from Matt, who wants to talk about footnotes in sci-fi and fantasy novels. He said an interesting quick article was posted on the Barnes & Noble blog about the use of footnotes in science. I mean, I think the poison is going to my brain. I think that's probably what's happening it's for making, this episode. It's turning you Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> he says the article notes 
five novels and is written in a way where it gets cute using footnotes in the article itself. Mm -hmm. Beware of spoilers in some of these, but overall it's an interesting uh, which titles they chose. I find footnotes interesting in that they can add a lot to the story, um, to the history of a world without interrupting the narrative, allowing the reader to read them as they choose. So this begs the question, outside of the five in the list, are there other novels within the genre that you have seen use footnotes either well or not well? Also, what is your routine when reading footnotes? Do you read them right away at the end of a sentence, at the end of a page or a chapter even, or do you just ignore them entirely? Yeah, um, I'm like Trike in this case. If it's an actual footnote, meaning it's at the bottom of the page, I read it right away. If it's an endnote footnote, uh, meaning it's in the back of the book, I often ignore it. Although Lord of the Rings had a bunch of footnotes in it and or endnotes in it. Uh, and I did read those the last time I read it, mm-hmm. which was years ago now. But I wanted to get all of that appendix appendix material in there. Uh, but yeah, if they're, if they're on the same page, I read them right away. I can't think of too many that I've come across that do this, though. I I feel as though the strange case of the alchemist's daughter, while they weren't technically footnotes, they it felt footnotish when they would jump from uh, like like what had happened versus what was happening in, in real time as they were writing the book. Do you remember? Like, no. Okay. So like they, they, the book is the strange case of the alchemist daughter is like the pulp novel that is being written by one of the characters. And so they keep jumping back to the problem with audio books. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cause I listened to that one. Yeah. And this is another problem with footnotes in general is that if it is an mm. audiobook, they're almost impossible to do right. I mean, you you basically have to include them right away, which is what they did in Strange Case of the Alchemist Daughter, which is why I, I forgot they were footnotes because they were just inserted mm-hmm. as like uh, like an aside. They changed the voice up and say, you know, said, and this thing, you know, they so you knew it was a different thing, but it yeah. didn't feel like a footnote. Yeah. And then Ruth says, I found uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell annoying. Uh, with a footnote <laughs> that I mean, it was good, but the amount of tiny footnote text was annoying and I'd have much preferred the book without them. So that was funny. And House of Leaves, completely unreadable. I haven't read the other books the article mentions, and now I'm less likely to. I think Douglas Adams uses footnotes for comic effect quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be that can be funny. I think Pratchett yeah. does that sometimes. That's too. exactly what Ruth said. She yeah. said the oh, only author who uses footnotes so smart, well please. is Terry Pratchett, and that's because <laughs> he's funny enough to get away with it. Yep, yep. That's the that's a good way to do it because if you if you're doing it for comic effect, people won't take too much offense. <laughs> so, I guess uh, some people might. Some people might be like, "Wow, well, you're wasting my time with a stupid joke." I went all the way down here to your footnote, but it's still you're still reading the book, just kind of out of order a little bit. Yeah. Right. Right. I. That's why I read them right away, though. Like I don't want to miss the information. If I go read them later, then I have to remember like, Oh, where was that? What was that referring to? Which is why I don't like the end notes. True. Too much work. Uh, we also have a post here from trike labeled 2019 trike says, I don't pay much attention to the passing of time. Well, aren't you special? (laughs) But when I say something happened the other day, that could be last Tuesday or 1985. A couple weeks ago, it suddenly hit me that 1999 was 20 years ago. I suffered some chronological whiplash. Man, I've been right there with you, Trike. I clearly recall anticipating 1997 because that was the year the Robinsons got lost mm. in space, that Snake Plissken escaped from New York, 
uh, that Skynet became self-aware and Hal went online. All sorts of cool stuff. 2019 is a year like that. 2019 is the year we discover proof that aliens exist on Alpha Centauri per the Sparrow. Oh. Roy Batty schools Deckard about being a Blade Runner. Kaneda and Akira face off in Neo Tokyo. And The Running Man is a hit reality TV series. <laughs> And yeah, so that is uh, amazing. Uh, Sylvanas' Dark Angel was set in 2019. Do we have the Manticore program yet? Anyone met gorgeous super soldiers with barcodes on their necks? <laughs> this should be part of our New Year's celebration from now on. Is like what what things happened in sci-fi world in the coming year? I think that is good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm scrolling through. Uh, Dara says the Matrix turns 20 in March, and that just seems impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is not sci-fi related at all, but uh, Bryce Harper, who's a major baseball star, announced a 13-year <gasps> contract today with the Philadelphia Phillies. And I realized when I was reading this story that he will finish his contract when I'm 61 years old. <laughs> Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> right? Good. Uh, they can have him. We didn't want him anyway. Yeah. Oh, no. The Dodgers wanted him too. My my wife was a little bit intrigued by that possibility, but. Well, I'm just whatever. glad the Dodgers didn't get him. <laughs> yeah, I figured. Um. So my best friend dated a guy in college who didn't believe in time. Didn't well, like believe in time as a concept. Uh-huh. And so. Sure. But he had a job. Uh-huh. So I, 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 I don't know how that works. It depends on how far you take that. If, if you're saying like, well, really outside of human perception, there is no time. Time is, is, time a, is, a, is, construct. A, is a construct of our perception. Then mm -hmm. I'm totally with him. If he's like, I don't believe in time, so I'm never late. <laughs> like that's yeah, just kind of that, silly. <laughs> that's kind of how it felt. Like we all agree there is like a, a time that's relative between us that, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to. If you want civilization, you have to have some agreements, and time is one of them. They didn't last long. Yeah. Just put it that way. <laughs> they ran out of time. They ran out of time. Their time was short. <laughs> uh, Erica says on Twitter, very kindly, being a patron means receiving little surprises in the mail. Thank you, Ace to Tech and Veronica, for the all-too-relevant political sci-fi and sword and laser sticker, and includes a nice photo. Yeah, Yay. Erica is backing us at the random mail level, which means every so often... Things might just show up in your mailbox. Goodies come a knocking or Tom and I just show up at your house because we know where you live. Well, now you've scared everyone else <laughs> away. from. <laughs> we promise we won't do that. We do not. We neither share your information nor no. show up at your house. Exactly. We are not Facebook. We will, <laughs> no. we will not do that. And uh, in... So, go yes. ahead. No, you oh, go. I was going to say, Chris uh, says, I'm trying to access the interview with R.A. Salvatore. Uh, on swordandlaser.com, but the video seems to no longer be available. Do you happen to still have a copy of this? My understanding is that it covers some of the reactions to Wizards of the Coast changing the Forgotten Realms with 4E D&D &D from the perspectives of the poor folks working with the material, and I'd really like to hear that kind of thing. Well, well good Chris. news is we still have it. It's out there in podcast form somewhere. We did create a video podcast that republished all of those Geek and Sundry episodes. But the reason that that YouTube video isn't working is that was published on the Geek and Sundry channel for that first season. And I guess they just cleared up their channel and took a bunch of stuff down. So they no longer are serving it. So you could you could find the Sword and Laser video podcast and, and dig back 
you might be able to find it there. It's probably on archive.org if you search around. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, and we have it as well. So it's not lost. It's just not as easily available. Apologies. Yeah, we'll go back through when we have some time and, and re-upload and hopefully not get any takedown notices uh, for our own stuff. Uh, <laughs> but I would like to have those on our own uh, own YouTube page at some point. Uh, but yeah, they, they're definitely still up in podcast form. So we have them. We have them. They live on. Don't worry. But thank you actually for for pointing that out to us because I didn't know that was happening yeah, until you emailed. Nobody told down. us. I don't yes. know how long they've been down, honestly. Yeah. So sorry about that. And we will, we'll get them back up as soon as we can. Oh yeah. Uh, if you go to archive.org, search sword and laser Salvatore, you'll not only get an entry called SNL rewind, uh, <laughs> which has the episode that you're talking about, but you also get a dragon con 2012 interview with Ari Salvatore that we did. Fantastic. And in that one, Veronica is dressed as someone from Diablo. Yep. I'm dressed as a demon hunter from Diablo. Mm-hmm. Actually, my boss, my boss's boss is a huge R.A. Salvatore fan. And oh, yeah? when he found out that we had those interviews, he made me send them to him. So those videos have not been gone for that long for that because long. Okay. I looked for them within the past two months. They must have recently been. Pulled yeah. Out. So bummer. Well, you know, what's not a bummer. This month's book pick. No, indeed, it is not. It is time to kick off our March book. Don't get too confused. Yes, March Madness picks the April book, uh, but we still have to have a pick. And of course, last month, Veronica flipped the table. She <laughs> table flipped me. Uh, she turned the table. Sorry, didn't flip. You weren't angry. I wasn't angry. She just turned the table uh, and picked a science fiction book, Calculating Stars, which I'm so glad you did. Fantastic book. Uh, so this month, I decided to go uh, sword. And pick a book that's been on our uh, on our list up there on Goodreads on the Listopia for quite a long time, and fulfills the occasional need for us to kind of go back and reassess older books. This is one that most of you have probably read, but I think that's the fun of it is going back and reading it now with a different eye. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, or in the United States, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, is the book for March. And I've already started digging into it, and it is so much fun to read the first book again mm-hmm. after so many years. I read the first book, oh, I don't know, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saw, I've seen the movie more recently of the first book, but that you know, doesn't have everything in it. There, there's things even right at the beginning involving the Dursleys that I'm like, I didn't remember them spending so much time or saying things this way or things that you know, if you've read the whole series are going to pay off later that you're like, oh, I thought that was just an irrelevant detail, but they're really, she really is laying the groundwork for things that are going to happen much farther down the line. So I'm looking forward to to seeing what people think of this. I did put a big warning in the book briefing. We are not Potter experts. They oh, exist. The internet knows <laughs> I am not a Potter expert. We are, we are not cl- setting ourselves up to give you the definitive book club read of Harry Potter. Uh, we, we're more looking for you to, to send those observations our way. Uh, as you as you re-experience this and find it. I'm actually listening to the audiobook, which I never did. I've only ever oh. read these in print. I, I reread it in book form. Um, and I too was really excited to see all the ways that she sets up future happenings, even just like the books Harry has to read for school. Like the fact that we have a whole spin-off series off of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. And that's like one of the first, his required reading books for his first day at school. And so like just being able to see that and be like, I know what that is now. I've yeah. seen those movies. You know, it's, it's fun. Like 
just her world building was so incredible, even back then. And the way she goes back to things and talking about Sirius Black and, you know, that kind of stuff made me made me kind of nerd out a little bit. And uh, if you're a patron and you have the book briefing, if you have access to the book briefing, which I, I think everybody gets now, um, there's some interesting things about J.K. Rowling that I, I un, you know, re- dug up. Uh, again, if you're a big fan, you probably know all of this stuff. But sort of going back and and re-establishing the timeline of when she wrote things and when she pitched the story and and what what she was experiencing as far as like getting divorced and had being a single mother. Uh, she wrote this thing over many many years. Uh, had the idea on a train. Uh, and then just kind of worked on it and worked on it, worked on it. There's, there's a really fascinating journey that, that if you haven't already familiarized yourself over and over and over with it, it's worth going back and refreshing yourself on. Absolutely. I was, you know, at first I was like, why are we doing this? Why are we rereading this book? Everybody's read this. And then as I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, it is. And it's fun to go back and read those books that, you know, with the perspective, with, with this this POV of like, mm-hmm. oh, but we're reading it for Sword and Laser now and also haven't read it in a long time. Yeah, totally. Um, but should we wrap up Calculating Stars? Any any final thoughts on our, our pick for February? Yeah, so we might get a little spoilery here. Um, I I want to uh, thank everybody in Goodreads. Rob did a great job of organizing the uh, the posts uh, and and as he always does. Uh, it's like a little mini encyclopedia in there right now. You can you can find exactly like oh I want to know something about their relationship or I want to know something about the meteor. I want uh, there's some really good conversations going on in there. Meteorite. But, oh well, it was a meteor at one point, but it was a meteor right <laughs> at the end. A good point. Yes. Yeah, it doesn't stay a meteor for long, does it? No. Um, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I can't say anything else that I haven't really said in our interview with Mary Robinette Cole or, or before, as far as appreciating it. Uh, I did think that the ending disappointed me only because I wanted more and thankfully the faded sky existed and I went right into it. I can't imagine not wanting to continue to the faded sky when you get to the end of this. I am definitely going to read it. Um, I I really especially loved Elma and Nathaniel's relationship too. Um, I, I feel like that's something we didn't really talk about too much in, in previous episodes, but, and Dara kind of jumped into this too in, in the Goodreads forums about just like how nice it is that they're a happy couple and how supportive he is of her. And like, that isn't one more thing we had to worry about in her life. Like there's already enough frustration. Like we were talking about this in in-person book club uh, on Monday about how the book is amazing, but it's so frustrating because not only are you kind of looking at this and saying, oh, these are, you know, they're, they're, they're having trouble because they're women in engineering and working in the space program and, and the men aren't, uh, you know, looking to them in the same way they are as the other, the other male astronauts. And they're not like respecting them as much or being chauvinistic or what have you. We didn't have to worry about that same kind of situation from her in her home life, um, which I think was kind of like a nice respite. It was like, okay, when, when she's home, she's, she, doesn't have to worry about those kinds of things. And that's definitely not the situation that even the women, other women in the story were, were dealing with. Um, so I, 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 it just, it felt, it felt really relaxing in a way. And even though their, their romance moments were a little cheesy, we are go for orgasm or whatever. Um, <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> that would have been less cheesy. 
A little less juicy. Um, go, go for but, rock, rocket launches, a lot of mm-hmm. rocket launches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, 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 but I liked their relationship a lot. Yeah. And it wasn't a perfect relationship, right? Like if someone were hearing you talk, and I know most people at this point hearing us talk have read it, but if somebody hadn't read it, they might think, oh, so it's a little Mary Sue relationship. Like, no, not at all. They have fights. Uh, they don't get along sometimes like real couples, but it's not a, and they're at, at risk of falling apart kind of thing. It's not a, you know, the, the relationship is not the source of conflict for mm-hmm. her. Uh, the, the, the work and the, you know, attempt to get into space and fly, that's the source of conflict. So the relationship is realistic in that it's not perfect all the time, but it's also strong and happy, like you said, which is, you know, that is a thing that can happen in life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and when you have other sources of conflict in the story, I'm glad that she took the opportunity to say, you know what? I'm not going to add another one. I'm going to let this be a source of, of strength for her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some parallels Trike was noting between uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her husband, kind of the same time period as well. So that that definitely uh, feels true. Um, and Dara also said that she really likes the relationship between Elma and Parker, which I found mm. kind of surprising because hmm. he's such a great foil for her. Because um, he's such a you know a bastard about things and he's so unlikable, but at the same time, she says, "I kind of get it." I don't know; it's hard to mm. explain. Yeah, it's hard for me to discuss that because I've read The Faded Sky and that Ah. relationship continues and evolves even more. Uh, But what you get in Calculating Stars with her discovering his secret and helping him despite her better judgment and that sort of begrudging respect that he has for her because of that uh, is super interesting and, and, and a complex relationship, not a he hates me, I hate him, and that's the end of that. Yeah. Yeah. And you could kind of feel that happening already in the in the earlier book that there were some there was some understanding there, too, in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But but I'm sure it changes more later. I haven't read the next book yet, so I won't spoil it for myself. Well, if you like that dynamic, you're going to get more of it. That's all. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, thank you uh, for reading along with us. And of course, thank you uh, to Mary Robinette for coming on the show. And that was uh, so fun. It was so fun. And for sharing all her thoughts and perspectives on so many different things. And JK Rowling, if you'd like to follow Mary Robinette Cole and come on this month, that'd be great. Just let us know. More than welcome. I, you know, sometimes she talks to Scalzi. I mean, maybe we have an inroad there. Hmm. I mean, we've had George R. R. Martin on the show. We're kind of I mean, amazing. Yeah. I mean, Neil Gaiman, whatever, you can come to if you want. Still waiting. Still talk to you. <laughs> Still waiting. All right. And thank you out there so much for listening, and especially to our patrons. A lot of you donated this week. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, we super appreciate it. Our show is entirely funded by you. Uh, if you want to help us out, head over to patreon.com slash laser. You can also support the show by buying books. You're going to buy them anyway. Why not buy them through our links? You can find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415-7-SWORD-6. We will see you next week with our interview with S.A. Chakraborty, the author of City of Brass. See you next time. Bye.
podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. 